0: Uh, Welcome
1: and thank you for joining us uh, for another segment of the Jane Irrigation Training Series. I'm Richard Rustusia, Vice President of Water Management Solutions for Jane. And today, I'm really excited to be talking about a subject that uh, I really tuned into just uh, a few years ago. And this is uh, post-harvest irrigation strategies using Jane logic. Now, a couple of things that uh, uh, dawned on me uh, and, and were very insightful, right? A couple of those aha moments. Uh, is when you think about it, you say post-harvest, right? You just turn off the water, that's what you do. Uh, you're done, your season's over. And, uh, and I've actually learned, uh, thanks to Connor and people like Connor, that that's not necessarily the best way to uh, uh, treat your trees, treat your plants. There's other strategies that you can use. And if you use these strategies properly, it's gonna help you down the road next year in things like yield. So we're gonna learn all about that today and that's actually pretty exciting. So uh, taking us on this journey is uh, Connor Cunningham. Uh, hopefully you've seen Connor before. He's a great teacher, great instructor. Connor's a graduate of uh, Fresno State University. He's worked in ag tech most of his life. Uh, he's really tuned into to uh, growers in the Central Valley of California. He works with our water management services group as well actually giving real-time weekly recommendations to growers in the Central Valley as to what they should be doing with their water. Uh, It's been a tremendous year so far, Connor. I can't believe we're already uh, at harvest time for uh, almonds, and uh, you guys have uh, had had quite a great year. Uh, How's it been going?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's been interesting for our, our almond growers as we're moving into this harvest time here in the Central Valley. Obviously, our friends up north a little bit behind us but yeah it's been interesting to uh you know move through this this time because it's it's been hey you know pound water pound water pound water because it's been super hot oh but now we need to start cutting back a little bit because certain varietals are ready to so it's been we talked about this in our testimonials where we said it's fun to learn about these challenges as they arise and continue to become more familiar with the ranches that we're working on so it's been a great experience and it's been great to be able to work with the growers look at the data and start to employ some of what we're going to be talking about today
1: well you know connor i um i've had i've been fortunate enough to talk and interview some of your customers too and uh right this is really where the uh where, where it's really important how do they feel about it and uh the ones i've talked to have just been thrilled uh not only uh for the uh, recommendations and what they believe the results are going to be very positive but also just the uh, uh, the camaraderie uh, team building uh, this uh, putting a couple of heads together and you know solving problems has been a really positive uh, part for for them too so uh, congratulations and great job to your whole you. team
0: thank you yeah yeah no it's uh, as they say teamwork makes the dream work and we have an awesome team here at Jane I I was actually just telling my boss about this the other day I, I Jeff Tool, I said, you know, I really enjoy the people that I work with. And it's kind of like they say, you know, if you feel good, then you work good. And it's, it's just a really great environment. And, and I, I, it seems like it's extended to the people that we work with. And that's that's a great compliment to have. Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. So, all right, we're going to talk about um, uh, not just post-harvest irrigation strategies today, but how to use some ag technology uh, for irrigation to do this uh, really well. So, uh, excited to get started with that. I just want to remind everybody that I've got the chat and the Q&A open. So, if you have some questions for Connor as we go along, put them in the chat or the question uh, area, and I will uh, deliver those to Connor uh, when it's appropriate. So, anyway, thanks again, Connor, for joining us today.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. As always, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and to talk through a lot of the topics that we discuss. And like you had said, this is a really important topic. I did not grow up in ag. And I think any of us that have been here listening to me talk knows that I did not grow up in ag. I've been around it my whole life, but didn't grow up in it. And so as I started my professional life, being involved with ag and doing research and working with different growers, I learned just how important this post-harvest time is. Like you said, once harvest is done, doesn't mean that the season's done. We still have just a little bit more work to do. We got that final push because it's an, an, excuse me, it's an incredibly crucial time for the crops as they get ready for next season. So today in the webinar, we're going to be talking through just some of the common uh, permanent crops here in the Central Valley. Not all of I know that we're gonna be omitting some, but we're just gonna be hyper-focused here for time's sake. And then we're gonna also talk a little bit about some of the strategies that we can employ to make sure that we have a good crop for the coming season. So yes, like Richard said, the chat's open. So feel free to throw some in there if you have them. And we're very excited to have you here with us today. So starting off here, we'll look at what some of the recommended practices are and some of the points to consider from the literature. So with post-harvest irrigation, it's very much like irrigation efficiency, right? Where we think that with post-harvest irrigation, it's very important to consider timing and the right amount. So we want to really make sure that that's in the forefront of our mind. And then we then want to start working through this checklist that I have here on the screen and we wanna take into consideration our ranch specifically. And so I know that these webinars are also produced in a podcast format. So if you're tuning in, if you're listening in at home, as they say, I'll go through this list really quick. And then I do suggest coming back so that way you can see some of the visual, visuals that go along with this. So some of the things that we wanna consider for our ranch specifically is where's our ranch located? The region, what kind of soil type do we have? What is the crop varietal or the crop type that we're working with? When's the last time we put irrigation on before harvest? For almonds, for example, which we'll be talking about, you know, we we start that dry down and we go for a long period of time where we don't irrigate. What's hey, the Connor, soil? I machine?
1: could just interrupt sure. a second. When, when I think about that, I think about, uh, it has been a long time since uh, people irrigated, right, if they're into harvest. Right. Um, how stressed do the plants get at this point? I mean, uh, uh, vigor-wise, this has to really affect things.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we'll look at an example a little bit later here. But yeah, you do see that drop in that vigor because as they're starting to stress, we're basically tricking the plants into thinking, okay, I'm going into survival mode. I need to make sure that my, my progeny will go on beyond me. So they're, they're focusing all that energy into the reproductive uh, parts of the plant, for example. So in this case, you know, it'll be the almonds, it'll be the pistachios, it'll be the grapes that they're going to be pushing more energy into. So basically that's what we're doing with farming and agriculture is we're capitalizing on some of those natural plant processes by inducing very simple practices like stressing the crop Great, thank you. Yeah, sure thing, sure thing. So another thing to consider is what time of year is it? Different varietals will be harvested at different times of year. And then for some of our west side growers (laughs) and some of our southern growers, we also have to be paying attention to our leaching requirements. And then also any sort of pest pressures that we need to be aware of at this time of year. You know, if if we're putting on irrigation too soon and for example, if almonds aren't swept up off the orchard floor yet, we can induce various different types of pest pressures out there that we don't necessarily want. And then same thing with pistachios there. They shouldn't be seeing any irrigation on them. But if they do, when they're being stored, they can start to see some of that pest pressure arise. And all well, of then- this. Go ahead.
1: Interesting, Connor, we have in the last couple webinars uh, over the last month, have talked uh, quite a bit about pests and irrigation and how they go hand in hand and how you can uh, really control, not really control, but uh, the irrigation you're using, the type and technique uh, can impact uh, the
0: the pest pressure. Very much so, very much so. And I, I don't know if we have any of our regenerative agriculture friends here in the audience today, but I know that there's a lot of talk about having a very strong plant and using those natural defenses that are already built into the plant to combat some of those pests and that starts that foundation is irrigation so
1: a great point
0: yeah and so then the last thing here is we just need to also remember and be cognizant of next year's crop is already being developed right now so we want to make sure that everything that we're doing is forward thinking so We're gonna look at a few of the common crops like I mentioned, so again, if we're not hitting a crop that you're working with, don't worry, feel free to contact me afterwards and I'd be more than happy to walk through any of this with you, with your crop specifically. But we're gonna be talking in the scope of almonds, pistachios, and then grapes. So let's go ahead and move first to the almonds and we'll be looking at that here. So we have two different sources, uh, kind of the two leading respected sources here in the industry. We have UC Davis, and we have the Almond Board, and you'll see the bullet points that we have listed here. And it's, it's important to remember that we, we try really hard to manage our crop, but sometimes we experience stress in our orchards prior to that harvest time, prior to that dry down. And it's important to remember that any sort of stress that we might experience in our orchards leading up to that dry down and that harvest time needs to be accounted for during this time, during that post-harvest time. So as we start looking at putting on different irrigation and any sort of amendments, we wanna keep that in mind because again, the trees are developing the crop for next season. So right now the trees are putting, even during harvest time, even during that dry down time, the trees are uh, putting metabolic energy towards developing and storing those carbohydrates and developing those buds for next season at this point. And then we also wanna to consider too, how long is that time frame for us to have that post-harvest irrigation? And that'll be the same across every single one of these crops, but for almonds, for example, because they require a lot of irrigation water here on this post-harvest time, here in the Central Valley in the Fresno area, we have a very long post-harvest window where we can be putting all this water back on. You can see how much water is saying 12 to 15 inches during this time. Putting all that water on, we have a really long window of time to do that, which that door swings both ways. It's great that we have all this time to put this water back on, but we also have a really long time of, of hot weather where we can we, we can still experience some of that stress. So we wanna be cognizant of that balance of, Putting that water back on, but not, you know, putting all of it on at once and then experiencing some stress too soon before the trees shut down. And then lastly, you know, there's this point here with the almond board, these trees, after they've been dried down, they've been very dry for a long time. Those trees are going to be ready very, very ready for that water to be put back on. So you may wanna think and consider about putting on a little bit more water than what you would normally think to put just because as soon as that water goes on, it's gonna be gone. Those trees are gonna drink it up right away. So points to consider when we're looking at post-harvest irrigation for almonds.
1: Yeah, that eight inches uh, seems like a lot. (laughs) <laughs> in a I good period of time. So yeah, that's uh, very, very interesting there. Uh, pretty eye-opening.
0: Mm-hmm. So now we'll go ahead and move to pistachios, which it's another tree nut. So there are some similarities with post-harvest irrigation practices where we want to make sure that we don't stress them more than we need to and that we're very timely with our irrigation. But You'll notice here they're only taking about you know maybe 2 to 2.5 inches of water in this post-harvest time which is drastically lower than the almonds that we were just looking at. And they also have a much later time of year where that post-harvest time is going to be occurring. So pistachios are pretty resilient. We know that they're grown in a lot of areas where there's a higher salt concentration. And so pistachios take a Of stress throughout the year to help combat different pest pressures. But again, we're still investing in that crop for next year. So if we don't have to put any unnecessary stress on these trees during this time, it will behoove us to do so.
1: That's really interesting, Connor, because of course, yeah, I know pistachios require a lot less water, less water than almonds. But man, uh, approximately, Two and a half inches after 25% of what the uh, what the almonds need. That's significantly less. That's very interesting.
0: Right, right. Yeah, they're they're pretty resilient trees. It's uh it's incredible it's incredible to watch them and experience and, and work with them. Yeah, and I know uh, our 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 guy Corey Broad he deals a lot with it. So you know it'll be good to talk to him a little bit more if you if you have some more questions that might be beyond my scope of information. Alright, so now we're going to be shifting into grapes here. And I just want to go ahead and preface this slide with saying that we have wine grapes, table grapes, and raisin grapes here in the valley. So I did the best that I could to try to create this umbrella slide talking about all these different types of vines that we're working with. So it's, it's a very approximate uh, umbrella slide to try to understand each of these different requirements. So as we see here on the slide, depending on what type of vine you're growing, some we want to go ahead and as soon as those grapes are off and it's harvested, we want to go ahead and refill that profile. Others, we want to start to refill that profile, but then we want to start to stress a little bit. So like wine grapes is a great example where we want to refill that profile but we still want to apply a little bit of stress because we want those canes that are left over, we want those canes to start to harden up and get woody and not be so vegetative and, and mm-hmm. flexible. And the importance of doing this is that we want to try to rejuvenate the vines because if we're doing mechanical harvesting, for example, that's really rough on the vines. Vines are already tough to begin with, but putting them through a very aggressive practice by doing this mechanical harvesting. so by putting that water back on, we're rejuvenating the plant as a whole. And we know we've done a good job of that because we'll start to see some new growth. So we want to start to rejuvenate the vines to the point where we start to see some new growth. And then we want to make sure that we don't push it beyond that. Because if we start to continue to get too much growth, we know that the vines are devoting too much metabolic energy towards vegetative versus reproductive structures. In their cells. So we want to make sure that again we're being cognizant of that. And so you can see you know wine grapes about four inches and then table grape varieties were about four to five inches of water applied at this time of year or at the excuse me the post-harvest time of year. And so I actually uh, put an example on the slideshow here. Uh, I, I grew a vine in my backyard I was under the impression that it was going to be a Thompson seedless, but it was not. <laughs> this is the two-year-old vine that I have in my backyard. I was expecting to see, you know, a green grape cluster form, but it actually ended up being some sort of red variety. So I have no idea what type of grapes I have. <laughs> but, so just
1: uh, 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 mislabeled at the nursery?
0: I guess so. I guess so. And, um, but it was great because I'm more of a red guy and uh, so they they were ready very early so I already pulled the the very small grape cluster that I had off and uh, let the water dry down a little bit because I was just dumping water on it trying to get size on those grapes and uh, now that I had started to cut the water off a little bit I've been watching it and I've started to see some of this new growth so I wanted to put an example a very real very local example of what some of that new growth looks like here
1: Yeah. And I guess that's kind of counterintuitive, right? Because I know we're going to go into a season of pruning soon, Uh, you know, not next month or the month after, but, you know, in the winter. So then you think, oh, what's the value of the new growth? And um, is the value of the new growth for what it does for next year.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we're obviously with, with vines, we're, we're being very selective about which canes and which cordons that we're wanting to choose. But like we just saw that it's basically a symptom. It's, it's a check mark saying, okay, I'm starting to rejuvenate my vines. They're responding well to my post-harvest, excuse me, that that post-harvest irrigation practice here. So definitely something to look for. So now that we've looked at some of the considerations, we know what our checklist is. We've looked at some practical information based on crop of what some of these requirements and considerations are for this post-harvest time. Now, I want to talk about some tools that we can use to help us move through this post harvest irrigation and what kind of strategies we can employ with the tools that we have available to us. So, again, I'm going to be talking in terms of tools that I'm familiar with and that I use, but there are other ways to do this. They're just not as streamlined and as efficient as the tools that I use. And the, the tools that I use are Jane Logic. And so, we'll be talking in the scope of Jane Logic here. And so these tools that I have outlined here on the slide will help us move through that checklist that we had at the beginning of the PowerPoint here and help us develop strategies and plan for this post-harvest irrigation time. So we'll go ahead and walk through each one of these points and talk about how we would utilize it and how they all work together here. Oops, excuse me.
1: So Connor, we, we have a, a viewer with a question here that just came in, and um, they, they want to know how do you go about determining how much and, and when to apply the water, right? We saw a post-harvest apply X amount. Is that immediately? Is that two days after? And then how would you even determine
0: if it was uh, eight inches for, for almonds, for example? Yes, that is a very good question, and I think that really hits the nail on the head here it's really important to consider when and how much to apply. We want to make sure that we don't disrupt our harvest trying to get that water back on. But on the other side of that, we also don't want to stress the plants more than we need to. So having access to tools like this and data and information like what we're going to be going through, especially in a really easy to use format like Jane Logic, can really help us figure excuse me, answer some of these questions as we're going through this planning time right now. So this first section that we're gonna be going through is we're gonna be talking about ETC. So this example that I have here is actually pulled directly from an almond grower that we work with, uh, one of his fields. And I went ahead and anonymized it to make sure that his identity remained anonymous. But I like this example because it really shows us some very real numbers that we can work with as we start to plan how much water to put back on in the field. So you can see this very top line here on the table on the left-hand side, we see ETC, and then we see the number below that 1.4. So that's 1.4 acre inches that was consumed by this block right here. So this entire block on the right-hand side consumed 1.4 inches on average but then it takes it a step further and it looks at 90, the 90th percentile of this block. So it looks at the majority of this field, how much water was consumed by the majority of the field, which is incredibly important because I don't think I know any growers that aren't farming to the majority. So we can look at this number and say, okay, the majority of my consumed 1.6 acre inches of water. So if I'm gonna be starting to put some of this water back on, Do I wanna put on 1.4 or do I think I need to put on 1.6? It might be that I wanna put on 1.6 and we can continue to use some of these tools here to determine whether I wanna put on that 1.4 or that 1.6. And then we can also see how uniformly our field is consuming that. If our uniformity is really low, we know that we have bigger issues out in the field, but this grower is doing an excellent job at maintaining a very high uniformity. And I think part of the uniformity uh, could be attributed to, you can see there's that diagonal line running through the field there in the top uh, northeastern corner. And if that wasn't there, I'm sure that his uniformity would be 95% or higher. He's doing an excellent job of managing this orchard.
1: I'm sorry, Connor, I've got a quick question sure. here from a viewer, and they want to know how do you actually know it's 1.4, 1.6? Where where does this number come from? I mean, I, you see it on the dashboard. right? How does it get there?
0: Yeah, definitely. So uh, we are partnered with Agrologics and they are providing this service through Jane Logic for us. And so you'll notice how that image is pixelated, right? And so each one of those pixels is a measurement point. And so what the system does is it takes that and it correlates that that color to a numerical value, and then it references ten weather stations that are on ground that are closest to that that pixel to then calculate this number. So that number is actually coming directly off of the field. And so then the system will take all the pixels in that entire field, and it'll create this average, the 1.4. And then it'll do a step further and say, okay, of that average of the entire, how much that 90% of that field is being consumed. So it, it helps to give us that differentiation between the average versus the whole and the majority. So that's where that information is coming from. Yeah, interesting.
1: And so this is a satellite image. Correct. And um, I guess I'm reading here uh, that we know this image was taken on 8-4 and it's covering the time between the uh, 31st of July and the uh, 6th
0: of uh, August. Correct, yes. So this image is a backward looking view, but this is, this is really helpful for planning because we know, okay, I'm going to be starting my week here and I know that last week I consumed X number of inches. So if I want to replenish what was consumed, I would need to put on 1.4 or 1.6 inches and that's the minimum amount I would need. Now we're gonna to start to look at some of the other tools that we have available that talk about, well, is this week gonna be about the same or is it gonna be a little bit different as far as weather forecast goes? And then, what I would like to roll into next is also talking about what is our soil moisture status like right now as well. Do we have enough in our bank of soil that we can work with, or you know, is this our first irrigation after that harvest period? So is it really dry, and we're going to just be hammering the water back into the soil? So right,
1: it, it's know. it's amazing to me, right? Because I'm thinking, you know, before Jane Logic. This was an educated guess, right? I'm, I, I don't devalue experience. I value the experience, but it's still a guess. Right. And, uh, you know, I liken it to uh, getting in my truck in Fresno and driving to Bakersfield and kind of guessing how much gas I have in my tank and hope I make it.
0: Right, right. So again, like you said, not to devalue experience, not to devalue going out there and probing down and seeing what the soil moisture status is like, I still do that. I I just was doing it twice last week. But this lets us see see what that status is below the soil surface at a higher frequency and at a higher efficiency than we could do by going out there and probing all the time. So this is, again, another tool set that we have available to us to help us be a little bit more efficient in some of those practices as we start to go through our day-to-day routines and Maybe our monthly or seasonally routines.
1: Right. So, and then I can I can view this on my laptop, on my desktop, on my phone.
0: Correct. Yep. Yep. You can have all this inform- access to this information wherever you have cell or uh, Wi Fi access, depending on how you would like to view the, the data. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Fascinating. Okay. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Sure thing. So, as we start to continue to move through the process here, In my mind, it makes logical sense to then start to roll into the soil moisture probe data where we know how much water was consumed by the crop. Now let's see how much water we have available to play with already. So this very first window here at the top, which is labeled default measurement chart, shows us the soil moisture status. So we see this squiggly line moving across the graph as it's going up and down. That's the soil moisture content in the root zone. So as that squiggly line moves up, There's more moisture in the soil. As that squiggly line moves down, it's being consumed by the crop and being evaporated. And then these horizontal bars, blue bars tell us irrigation events. So we can know how long has it been since I last irrigated? How much water do I have in the bank to work with? Do I need to put on all one acre inches? Or maybe can I take that down to 1.2 acre inches? Maybe I don't need to. This helps us, again, as we start to continue to work through that process, work through that checklist, what is what's going on out there in the field that we can be aware of. And then we can then take that one step further with this next window at the bottom of the slide here, our infiltration window or infiltration widget, where we can see how efficient the application that we put on the field was. Were we not getting down into the root zone that we set for ourselves? Were we going too far down past it? Or did we fill it up like we wanted it to and we were money? So some of us are still putting on some nitrogen applications in this post-harvest time. And if you're putting on those nitrogen applications and you see that blue line go down and it's just shooting past your root zone, you're throwing your nutrients out the bottom and your plant's not gaining access to that. So it's helpful for us to be able to see this infiltration data to know, am I putting it on in the right amount of time and not pushing it down past the bottom? Is 24 hours too much? Should I take that back down to 18? Or am I good to do 24 hours and then do shots of 11 after that? Yeah, it's
1: pretty interesting. It's it's uh, There's science here, right? Very scientific in the calculations. And this actually gives you that view below the soil line that, uh, um, most people haven't had before. This is really great. Yes, exactly.
0: Exactly. And again, it's, it's all of these data points are measurements and data that growers have been working with for decades. It's just now in a much more easier and efficient format than maybe like a paper trail or doing it once every week. It, it gives you access to more frequent data that people work with all the time. And then so now that we know the water that was consumed, we know what our soil moisture status is, now we can start thinking about what might be the upcoming demand and what is our crop response been? So we have the two forecasts here, these, these two windows on the left-hand side, and then we have a ro- our crop response on the right-hand side. So this helps us to plan a little bit saying, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, okay, I, I, I know that I need to put on 1.6 acre inches of water. Is the demand this week going to be about the same as last week? Is it gonna be more or is it gonna be less? So if it's gonna be more, maybe I wanna put on 1.8 acre inches of water instead of the 1.6. Or if it's gonna be less, maybe I'll wait a little bit longer before I start to put on that irrigation and I'll only put on 1.2. So again, just tools that help us as we start to work through our planning. And so we have access to our ET data, what's that forecast for the consumption supposed to be. And then we have the max temperature, the min temperature, humidity, all important data points that tell us about what the environment's gonna be that we're gonna be working with. And then as we start to move through this, we then have our crop vigor here that lets us know what our crop response is. So obviously our vigor has been dropping during this the harvest and post-harvest period. And then we should start to see that come back up right here again, right before we reach senescence or when the trees and the vines go to sleep for the year.
1: Yeah, I love this uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, everybody talks about ET and you should, right? ET is very important when it comes to irrigation, right. but it's not the whole equation. What's also very important is what's happening in the future and being able to look out uh, as many as seven days is going to really make a difference in, uh, in, in the water you apply and how you apply it. That's fantastic. The other thing I wonder, the dashed lines at the bottom, what, what, what are those?
0: Yeah, good eye. <laughs> yes, that's that's important. So on these on these two graphs right here, on these two forecast graphs, we have a solid line and we have a dashed line. Solid line is letting us know what that forecast is for the coming week. And the dashed line is letting us know what that forecast was for this week last year. So I really like this example because it it really highlights the point that no two years are the same. We're already faced with a lot of challenges in ag where we have a lot of regulations, we have labor issues, and then we've also been fighting this drought for a number of years now. So being able to see what this year was like compared to last year really helps. And it makes us a lot more agile in our reaction and in our practices. So that way we can maybe get ahead of some of these challenges in the field before instead of the way that we did it before so that way we can try to save money at the end of the year and at the end of the season a very real world example i'll give you is uh, i don't know if it's just because i've been working with wms or or not but i've just noticed that it's, it's felt like it's been very very windy mm-hmm. and I was uh, reaching out to a couple of growers that I worked with and said, hey, I think it's been super windy this year. And they said, yeah, it's been super windy this year. Uh, We have not been able to spray like we normally would. So by being aware of this and having access to this data, they could have pivoted and adjusted their practices to say, okay, well, if we can't spray, well, maybe we can broadcast maybe instead, whatever that might be to try to work around these issues instead of saying, oh, crud. I can't spray today. Now my guys don't have anything to do or they have to go and do something else when we were supposed to get this on, so on and so forth. And so there's that potential, that risk to be losing out on some money because you weren't able to do what you normally would have just because you weren't aware of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Connor, I've been around a lot of creative people, but uh, growers, when there's water issues, they're some of the most creative, uh, smart people, uh, that, that you want to ever meet. So it's, yeah. that's very interesting. And we're just looking, you know, we were talking about being hot, right. Uh, mm-hmm. before we started and you look at this, uh, ET, you know, if I just look at the, the, the dash line six days, you know, a little over an inch of, uh, ET, uh, last year, closer to two inches this year.
0: My God, what a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's, It's been super hot and again, because of the wind and because of the heat, our ET demand has been higher at certain points. And then also you can look at the max temp too. Look at that difference. The consecutive above 100, 105 compared to, you know we had some high 90s and then it started to rise back up and kind of had this stair stepping instead of this consistent hot temperature. It's a very different growing environment year to year.
1: Right, heat and um, and wind this year, Uh, tough tough combination. So, um, Connor, this is a lot of information, right? This is a lot to take in. Um, if I need help with this, if I want to talk further about, uh, what, what, what you're talking about today and post-season harvest, um, can I do that?
0: Definitely. We would be more than happy to talk with anybody. This is actually one of the reasons why our water management services exists. Not only are we coming along growers as trusted advisors, but, We're also helping to show how we can start to incorporate data like this into the routines and the practices normally on a farm. So this is really helpful for growers to start working with. And as we're looking at right here, all this data shows that no two years are the same. And then also on top of that, too, all this data is just information that growers have been getting and working with for decades. So, it's just presented in a slightly different way and it's easier to work with. So, you know, along with the weekly recommendations, growers have been benefiting from working with us and learning how to interpret the data and how to work with the data on a day to day basis.
1: Yeah, which is just great. And anytime I've thought about learning a sport or, you know, doing something like that, uh, I do it better when I have a coach, right? Uh, Somebody can help me along. Uh, it just speeds the process in which I uh, uh, improve or get better or learn.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Yep. Coaching is a great analogy there. Yes. Mm -hmm. So in conclusion here, I just wanted to throw my uh, contact information up. So if anybody is interested in talking a little bit more about some of the materials or points that we discussed today, or if you'd like to learn a little bit more about some of the tools that I was Uh, Mentioning here at the end feel free to reach out to me and then if the water management services sounds like something that you'd be interested in uh, feel free to reach out to me about that and I can help get you connected and set up and started with that program. Uh, Like Richard said, a lot of the growers that we've been working with have been very happy and have received a lot of benefits from working with this program and we're happy to continue to expand what we call our WMS family of growers and we'd be more than happy to have you join us.
1: So, Connor, coming to uh, post-harvest uh, time and into the winter, um, is it too early to be starting uh, uh, water management services?
0: I don't think so. I think it's also a great time to plan, too, This, as we're already planning for next season anyways with different types of purchases that we might want to make or different changes that we want to be making to our organization or a ranch. This is yet another thing that could be incorporated in that planning time. So, this is definitely something that I strongly recommend considering and sitting down and talking with myself or any one of our talented account managers like Steven Soares, Damian Jellen or uh, David Lindsay as well to start talking through what are some of the options that we have available that could help you out and help make a difference on the ranch.
1: Yeah, well, Connor, thanks so much. You did a fantastic job as usual oh, thank today. Uh, th- thanks, it was great information. I wanna thank all our viewers out there for joining us today uh, as well. You know, it's really important to uh, keep educating on water management uh, as the, uh, the supply of water isn't increasing and we're certainly figuring out more ways to use it and in this case, better ways. So that's, uh, that, that's really great. Um, so thank you again, Connor. I wanna say, uh, we're gonna be back on Friday. Uh, Corey Broad and Jeff Toole are gonna be talking about ag tech again, uh, but more importantly, if you're thinking about buying some ag tech uh, irrigation solutions, What are the questions you should be asking so that you don't, um, so that you get the right product for your, your particular uh, use, specific use. So that's going to be really good uh, on Friday. So anyway, hope you'll visit us there. Remember all our trainings are at jamesusa.com forward slash trainings. Well over a hundred of them there. And we're also anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, Uh, we've noticed that a lot of people are watching or listening more on the podcast. And that's great. I love it. It makes me feel good that people are educating themselves, maybe while they're driving job to job or even on the job. So uh, we really like hearing that. So anyway, thanks again, everybody. Uh, Really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll catch you all Friday. Thank you.